Bible listeners, we've got a special sponsor uh, for today's episode. It is AG1. AG1 has been something that I've really enjoyed using in my spare time. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole source food nutrients in one scoop that you can use into your water. You stir it up. I use it before my workouts, before I start my day, and it has totally given me the energy I need to do the little things in life, like going to work getting extra, you know, an extra boost, a second wind, if you will, for a workout before I play pickleball with my friends, just, it puts you in a good spirit of mind and you know, you're doing the healthiest possible thing by putting AG one in your body. Make sure to check us out and get a special deal with the Bruin Bible. It's www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get the special deal that we provide. Once again, www.drinkag1.com slash Bruin Bible to get that special deal. Now, back to the Bruin Bible. What is up and welcome to the latest edition of the Bruin Bible. Jamal Madney and I have recorded, I would say, upwards of 150 episodes probably together. This is the first one that we have done in person at his new house. Unbelievable place out here in Westwood. Where else would a Bruin fan live as a UCLA alumnus? Will Decker, your host, Madman in the house. Madman, first and foremost, thank you so much. For having me in your lovely home. Oh my house. goodness. Well, your family. And so I'm so happy that we've finally been able to do this. We've been talking about this for a while now and just got the opportunity to move in here recently. And this is going to be home of the new LAMD Lounge. So it's going to be get, fans get used to this a little bit more and not as much of the, uh, the split screen. Yes, we will be having <laughs> a neon sign coming in the background. You want to tell them about what's absolutely going to it's gonna. We got something in the works here a nice LAFB lounge neon sign. So yes, we're going to really kind of get our lounge vibe on when we're talking about our beloved Bruins and just having a great time. Well, ironically, we are finally in the same town at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it has been so hard to coordinate us together, you know, to get a podcast going. But it's such an honor, man. Thank you so much for having us. We got to talk some Bruins, though, man. Absolutely. Talk to me. It was a tough weekend. Has any of your thoughts changed on what occurred on Saturday against Utah out of Rice Eccles Stadium? You know, Will, I think a couple days to, 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 to digest here, and I, I think you walk away actually with a lot more positives than negatives. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about Dante Moore's very first throw. Three seconds into the game, it was 7 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so then when you look at it, 59 minutes, 57 seconds, it was a 7-7 ball game. Yeah. And it was a 7-7 ball game where if you looked at sort of the totality of yards, you looked at the totality of drives in the opposing uh, opponent's territory, you looked at even offensive flow, UCLA had four legitimate scoring opportunities to Utah's maybe two. And so UCLA, you walk away saying it was a couple of plays that were missing. And obviously there's some glaring omissions that we'll get into, uh, particularly with the offensive line. But when you take the two-time defending conference champions in their building, 16-game winning streak, hardest place to play in the conference, 
and you've essentially outplayed them for 59 minutes and 57 seconds, there's a lot of positive to take away from and to build on. And now you have an opportunity at redemption with a bye and then a ranked Washington State team. Climbing up the ranks. A very good Oregon State team. Very good. And so these next two games, if UCLA gets schematically right, their head right, the attitude refreshed, it's still everything to play for. Still everything to play for. And where I want to start on the positives, we knew this defense was as good as we've had under Chip Kelly. I came away just so impressed, proud yes. of this defense. They kept us in the ball game when at times it felt like we could get nothing going on offense, which says a lot about the character because I've seen it before. A lot of defenses quit when they know it's out of the game and the offense can't get it going. They were going as hard as they've ever gone. 11 tackles for a loss by the defense. Lots. He was incredible. Grayson and Gabriel Murphy all over the field. Keanu Williams, Absolutely. a guy that I want to bring up later, has been a guy that has been you know one of the top-ranked defensive tackles, according to PFF, on the West Coast right now. There's just a lot of good going on with that D-line. The linebacking unit looked great. You know, I just thought we did a really good job defensively, which we should be proud of. De'Anton Lynch doing an awesome job. Dante, I think you have to fail first before you can succeed. You know, the ultimate Michael Jordan yep. adage, you know, why am I successful? I've failed. I've failed it time and time again. This is a guy that's come in here and really hasn't failed probably, you know, since probably middle school, peewee football. Exactly. Been. So for him to kind of get that under his belt and going, you know what, I got to work harder, I got to get better. That's going to ultimately be better for you to lay down the stretch. I have no doubts about that. Uh, so those two things really stood out yeah. to me. That fourth and seven throw he made uh, to kind of keep the drive going that yeah. led to our only touchdown, yeah. that's that's stuff that you just don't see from an 18-year-old. And I don't think a lot of – you know, I don't even think Caleb Williams could have done a lot with what was going on with the offensive line. And we're going to talk to you guys about the top five storylines that UCLA football has through four weeks – it is a bye week. I think this is a nice time to kind of Absolutely. and figure it out. And we'll, well, one thing I'll just say on, on your, your two points there with, with Dante and the defense. With Dante, it was – you saw the flashes. Oh, okay. And you saw the – you talked about the fourth and seventh throw. There was that beautiful throw to Loya on the left sideline. Oh, gosh, yeah. There was that incredible throw early in the game to Carson Ryan on that crosser on third down. Yeah. He really showed a lot in terms of poise and the ability to kind of stand in there. And I think that whatever he needs to work on in terms of mechanics in the face of the rush, in terms of kind of trusting that check down in the face of a rush, it's all teachable. It but is. the things that he does are not teachable. And I think that's where I'm very excited that Chip went with Dante Moore from, you know, the second half of game one. Because think about it, Will, it's his fourth career start. His third career start, fourth yeah. career game. Yeah. And for him to get a lesson like that and that experience, it's just going to pay so much dividends, not just down the line this season, but the next couple of seasons. And then to your point, Will, on the defense, oh, Kane Madrano was also absolutely phenomenal in yes. that game. The 10 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. And you said it best, Will. It was Will Decker talking about the will of the defense. There was a key moment there, beginning of the third quarter. It was 14-0. Utah got the ball at the start of the second half. They completed a long pass, if you recall. They're knocking on the door at the UCLA 30-yard line. That's where you felt phenomenal first half. The offense is getting nothing going. They're shut out. Is this the moment they crack a little bit? And not only did they not crack, they held Utah to loss yardage, prevent even a field goal attempt, 
and basically shut them out the rest of the way. So with that character and that mindset, there, there's a lot to be excited about moving forward. Absolutely. And that's what comes with having a Ken Norton Jr. in yes. linebacking coach. And if the Anton Lynn, listen, it's early results. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I've been impressed with four weeks. No question. I think he's been fantastic. Five, the top five storylines. I pitched this idea to Madman today. We've been kind of brewing on it. We're going to have some brewing on it. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Had to get a pun in there somewhere for that. But I'm going to go to my man, as always, to lead us off. What is your top storyline when it comes to UCLA football through four weeks of that? So we're going number one, we're going number five. We, how about we do reverse? Okay, reverse. reverse. Okay, reverse. okay, we'll okay. Keep the listeners engaged. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Will, for me, number five is a story of unsung heroes. Yes. Also. And the players that we didn't maybe think were going to make a huge impact the first few games and have done so. Yeah. And I think at the top of that list are two sixth-year players who are roommates, yeah. who are friends, who have made a tremendous impact. One being Josiah Norwood. Fantastic. Fantastic. Really being that third wide receiver at this point in the season with the two receiving touchdowns, over 150 yards receiving. And then Alex Johnson, his roommate, with the two interceptions um, against San Diego State. And just what a phenomenal effort that was to really make us look differently with the secondary. And so Alex Johnson, Josiah Norwood, I think are the headliners of the supporting cast. You know, Shaq on TNT loves to, loves to call them the others, yeah. you know, in terms of the supporting cast. And these two, I think, are two of the primary others. And the fact that they stayed with the program for six years – they're roommates, and they're both finding success in that sixth year that maybe eluded them the first five years and are contributing to wins, I think is a tremendous story. I think those are great storylines, too. Just guys that have stayed the course, you know, haven't given up, haven't quit. And you see six years is a long time in college football, man. You know, and just for them to kind of come out and give the effort that they're giving, giving the success that they're giving. Johnson, two interceptions. Josiah Norwood, two touchdowns. He's the lone Bruin that got in the end zone against Utah. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a big, big thing to achieve against a Utah defense. So very, very encouraged by what both those guys have given us. A lot of great things going on there. I think for me, you know, the fourth storyline kind of going, we knew this guy was going to be good, but stirred him in, man. Yeah. Just yeah. the flashes. Yeah. I mean, we saw it, you know, at North Carolina Central. Two catches, 60 yards, 30-yard touchdown planting his feet in that back of the end zone, just taking the top off of the defense immediately against Coastal Carolina. There's something just different about this guy, and we've been craving it, man. We have been almost outside of the Randy Moss, New England Patriots. They have nobody at skill positions. They've never really had those guys. They've had chippy guys, you know, scrappy guys. You're Julian Edelman's, you're Wes Welkers, but they've never had that beast. Yes. Number one, take the top off the defensive opinion. I felt very similar about UCLA over the years. So Jay Michael Sturdivant, man, just like having this guy on our team is such a blessing each and every week no just because it's a guy that is legitimately a top five receiver maybe in the country. Dane Brugler out into the top five wide receiver prospect coming into this year, and he's delivering overtime with the numbers that he's got so far. So you think that's fair for number four? Oh, my goodness. I, I love that as number four, Will. I mean, I'm reminded of you and me kind of standing next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Those Saturday mornings yeah. in the spring and, and early fall, and we're just watching. And we're watching him, and nobody can stay within five yards of this guy. Nobody. It didn't matter who was in the secondary. And you and I both kind of looked at each other and said, I'm either so excited or I'm so frightened because yeah. 
it's either J. Michael Sturdivant is that good or is our secondary that bad? And yeah. and and it's the former. Yeah. J. Michael Sturdivant is that good in terms of what he can do. You said it best, Will. It's the frame. It's the size. It's the explosiveness. And the fact that he was able to have 700 yards of success even last year with Cal without a quarterback, without an offensive system, that just speaks so, so many volumes. And here he is, 12 catches, about 250 yards receiving through four games, two touchdowns. And he is that vertical element to this offense that you have to respect. And you have to, as a defense, think about playing more too high safety. You have to think about nickel corner, you know, sort of being shaded more on his side. He just draws an incredible amount of attention. He's the best looking receiver prospect we've had since J.J. Stokes. That's now 30 years ago. And so it's, it's tall praise here, Will. And it's always very enjoyable when you think a guy is going to be great and then he delivers. Nothing better than that. Nothing better than that. So J. Michael Sturdivant, JMS at number four. I love it. JMS coming in at number four. Man, so we've got J. Mike and we've got, man, the first one was Alex Johnson, Josiah Norwood. So we now on number three. Yeah. My main man, you've got the floor here. Where are you going with the one? So, Will, I think it's – to me, it's the superhero and sort of his band of brothers in yeah. a lot of ways. And it's Leatu Latu and that front seven. Yeah. And leading that front seven. And, you know, Will, you had uh, an incredible opportunity to sort of talk to him at Pac-12 Media Day, yeah. ask him about his thoughts for the season. He talked about what his goals were. He was not shy no. about the goals of 15 sacks, you know, and the undertone there was I'm going for Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. We've talked a lot about how he's projected now to be all the way in the first round, mid-first round, and just the fact, the way he's able to set that tone, those first four sacks in those first two games. The pick six against North Carolina The pick Central. six yeah. against North Carolina Central, and I think it's inspired the rest of that front seven. You yeah. look at the way Oladigio saw uh, Latu play and then come back with 17 tackles against San Diego State. You look at the way Kane Madrano played against Utah. He wants to get in on the action. Obviously, he's pushing the Murphy Twins to be better players. And then he's also inspiring, I think, the interior of the line. You talked about Keanu. We talked about Toya. We talked about, you yeah. know, Smith. So I just think Latu, both in terms of his play, as well as inspirational story, as well as leadership in the locker room, he, along with Danton Lynn, have really transformed this front seven to be not only one of the best in the Pac-12, but one of the best in the nation. Completely agree. And, you know, Latu is still a guy that I'm like, yeah. we get like a college game day profile yeah. this guy <laughs> yeah. or something because it's just not talked about enough. If you give up football for two years and you come back like he has played to now being a first-round draft pick, it's like almost the sequel to The Blind Side, right? But it's like such an epic story that Disney needs to capitalize on here in L.A. of all places. The D-line has been sensational. Uh, they showed up again in bunches and kept us in that game last week. So I think that is a phenomenal number three. Number two, is to me, is the only solemn one, I think, on the list. Mm. It's the offensive line. Yeah. They've really got to figure it out, man. To me as a fan, I have grand visions of us winning the Pac-12 this year. You know, I mean, a chance to do it in the final year of existence. Yeah. We have the talent. We have the roster. Skill position players are great. Quarterback, I feel very confident in Dante despite that performance against Utah. A large part of that reason was because of the offensive line. Defense has never looked better under Chip Kelly. 
I'm not worried about the run game getting started because Chip Kelly, that's what he does. Yep. He's going to figure it out at some point. The only issue we've had, we talked about this even before the year started, the O-line has to figure it out. This past weekend, they were manhandled by Utah. There's no nice way to say it. There's no other way to say it. I think if you even asked them, they would agree with me. It is, it is problematic. They've got to figure out a way to get this line strengthened because, man, if they can just get a B-minus out of that group. And Drevno really turned the tides last year. Yes. I'm hoping he can figure it out this year as well. This team is could be destined for the best bowl game we've had in a decade or that golden opportunity of going to the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas and maybe play USC for the second time. Absolutely, Will. Yeah. I think you said it best. It is this journey of the offensive line. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit in the live show after the game while you were sprinting. You're getting your, <laughs> cool, your cool runnings on, <laughs> you know, in, in, the, in the rain, bobsledding. Um, but we talked about the journey of last year. And we, you and I have sort of shared this on the show a number of times, that this point A being Bowling Green, point B being what they ended up looking like against Fantastic, Pitt. Fantastic, too. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible journey, incredible growth. What is the journey going to look like this year? Because the journey is going to have to be as extreme, if not more so, yeah. given where they're starting. Yeah. We know about Duke Lemons. We know about Holstein. But after that, there's questions. DiGiorgio is serviceable. Wiley, we still don't know what we have. And then beyond that, in terms of talent, in terms of depth, there's a lot of questions. At the end of the day, exactly, exactly. And so at the end of the day, well, last year there were still three NFL guys, uh, you know, on that line. So there was a lot to work with to grow. This year, maybe not quite as much to work with. So what is that journey going to look like for this offensive line? And I think there's two choices that Chip has. And, and one is, and I, I mentioned this in my article that's going to come out tomorrow, there's an organic way to fix the line, and then there's an inorganic way to fix the line. Yeah. The organic way is to get in the film room, work on technique, work on get in the weight room, work on diet, work on all of these things to be better offensive linemen. But that's a longer-term play. Yeah. That's going to take five, six, seven, eight weeks. And when you've got two of your three toughest games – Coming up now immediately, how are you going to be able to do that? And it may force Chip to have to go to an inorganic strategy. And what I mean by that is rather than focus on how do I fix the offensive line, how do I supplement the offensive line with Max Protect and other formations? What do I need to do with Carson Ryan? What do I need to do with Habermel? What do I need to do with Yankoff? What do I need to do with Adkins? You know, is it more two tight end set? Do I go a little bit more T formation? Do I do some things where I'm close? I go back to some of the bunch formation concepts from the last couple of years to keep the box tighter, to have more guys in a position to be able to block. So I think that's where Chip's going to get into the lab and yeah. figure out some inorganic ways to help this offensive line. Couldn't agree more. And if I'm Drevno, especially with this bye week, time to grow, time to build. Yes. I am saying, hey, guys, I know we initially planned this to be an off week. we got to get back to the gym and get some work done. Yes. So that is huge. That is the second to last point. You get the number one, my man. Well, Talk to me thank you for, for that honor, Will. It's, it's fitting that I'm speaking about number one, but you were the guy that had a lot to do with where this is going in terms of the hashtag of Dante Tuella. Uh-huh. It, it, it has to be Dante Moore. It has to. 
as, as the leading the leading man, the 18-year-old prodigy comes to school January 5th, ready to compete. We saw him in the spring. We saw the talent. The, the conversation was really about will he understand the playbook? He was able to do that. Very beat out three other really terrific quarterbacks. Yeah. And starting caliber starting D1. caliber D1 yeah. quarterbacks at 18 years old and played the way that he's played. Obviously, there's some growing pains with Utah. But now this is the journey of Dante. Yes. That is, to me, what 2023 will be remembered as, his true freshman year. We take the highs. We take the lows. How will he look at the end of his freshman year relative to the beginning of his freshman year? And we're all buckling up with him. And just the poise, the arm, the upside, everything that he brings to the table, Will, we just we should feel really fortunate. This five-star kid is going to be here now with us for three years and where is this career going to go? It's going to be very exciting. The flashes, man. We talked about it. Just him looking off safeties, looking off to his third and fourth options. You shouldn't be able to do that as an 18-year-old. Best product from Detroit, hopefully, in the state of Michigan to L.A. since hopefully Magic Johnson. That's what I'm going for. I love it. Uh, keep an eye out for us. we got more stuff coming this week. 1090 ESPN Radio. Guys, we're on there. 5 to 7, check us out. We've had the 5 o'clock slot yes. the last two weeks. So a lot of big things coming with that. Any party thoughts, man? Well, first, like my party thought is, dude, just thank you for having me in your home. Oh, my goodness. This is wonderful. We've got to do this a lot more. Absolutely. A lot of UCLA football being left to be played this year. So there's a lot of great things going. Don't get too down off that Utah loss. We can bounce back and be two ranked teams in the next two games. Absolutely. And I think the meat of our schedule, Will, is right in front of us. And it's interesting. You and I both thought, hey, the barometer maybe nine and three. Yeah. And think about where we are. We're exactly a third into the season and we're three and one. So exactly slated for nine and three, but I think there's an opportunity for more here. And no pun intended. Yeah. But I think th- these next two games, Washington State, Oregon State, and then the last one, the second to last one against SC, those are the three kind of really tough games ahead. But it's really these two here. If they can get it right and be in a position to split or take both. If UCLA can take both of these next two games, Will, you're talking about driver's seat opportunity with the right tiebreak to go to the Pac-12 championship game. So everything to play for, let's sort of settle in Bruin fans. Let's lick our wounds during the bye, and let's get ready for Washington State because they're going to be dynamite. Let's pack the Rose Bowl. This is going to be the biggest game of the year at the Rose Bowl, and can't wait to be there. Can't wait, guys. Come out loud and proud to the Washington State here. If you see this guy going to the game, say what up to the madman. I will unfortunately be out of town. This is the last one. Bachelor party number seven, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All my friends get married in the same year, man. It's unbelievable. But excited to be back at the Rose Bowl with all of our people here. Absolutely. Ruins, loud and proud. Guys, nothing but love. We will be talking to you guys very soon. Go Bruins, and we'll see you in the next one.